Welcome to episode 38 of the Princeton Podcast, produced by the podcast production team at HG Media, providing audio and video production services here in Princeton since 1999. In this episode, our Princeton Podcast host, Mayor Mark Frieda, welcomed Mimi Omasinski, the owner of Princeton Tour Company, offering residents and Princeton visitors walking tours, bus tours, ghost hunts, team building experiences, reenactments, and more. In addition to discussing her background and the management of Princeton Tour Company for the past 16 years, Mimi also described falling in love with Princeton and writing her book, Good Night Princeton. Mimi is a champion of Princeton's charm and historic significance, so without any further introduction, let's join our host, Mark Frieda, and his guest, Mimi Omasinski, for episode 38 of the Princeton Podcast. Well, let me start with a few questions about you. Could you tell us when you actually came to Princeton? Okay, so I've lived in Princeton now 17 years, which I know for Princeton is not a long time at all. <laughs> I'm not a real Princetonian. I never will be. And um, I've stopped apologizing for it, but I'm, I feel very lucky to be here. So 17 years. 17 years. Well, we're a great community. It and is. We, and we and welcome everybody. And even though you've only been here a short 17 years, You've done a lot, so let, we're going to talk to more about that as we go on. But my, but before I get to that, so where, where did you move from and wherever you came from, <laughs> what were you doing? So uh, I'm not going to give too long of an answer on this, but I was raised in Nashville. My career was in Atlanta, and I worked really hard in Atlanta, so I didn't meet my husband until I was in my early 30s. When I met him, I love at first sight. It happens. It happened to me. Uh, so we got married and uh, we had a son named Stosh. And um, I'm old. So back then in the South, they told ladies with careers, if, if you don't stay home with your baby, your baby won't love you. And so um, I gave up my career and followed Steve. And he's a smarty pants. And so he got a global job with J&J. And the only reason why that part's important to my move to Princeton is that I got to see the world for free off Johnson & Johnson, and I would strap that baby to my chest, and I would see the world. And the way I would experience a new place is I would hire a cab driver for the whole day. Sometimes it was expensive, like in Paris. Other times, you go to Thailand, it costs you nothing. Either way, I'd get a cab of my own, and I'd say, take me where the tourists go. And they'd take me, and I felt like Jackie O because I was going in the back door. I knew when it was closed or the unions were happening. And then the next day, if we got along, I'd say, okay, I'm going to hire you again. Take me where you wish people would go because they were locals. Yeah. And so I really became a student of communities. And at some point, J&J &J said, the party's over. Um, you, you need to come back to headquarters, and you're going to live in Jersey. And I'd never been to your lovely state. So I cried big old boo-boo tears, <laughs> did not want to come. And then we spent a long weekend in Princeton, and it was love at first sight again. And I was like, Stevie, this is where it's got to happen. I don't know what the commute's like. You just got to give me this. Um, because I'd seen the world. And, and I thought I was very cosmopolitan at that point. I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's theater. There's a movie house. There's a university. I can take classes. This art museum. It's beautiful. The people are nice. My baby is going to get an education that you can't pay for on a private level. I just, it had to happen. So we bought the smallest condominium that the fire department allows three adults to live <laughs> uh, and so we could afford Princeton. And uh, we never looked back. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> 
So let, let me ask you, I think one of the things you're known for is uh, celebrating Einstein's birthday. So how, how did that happen? What, how does that idea pop into somebody's head? So it happened because, okay, so I fall in love with Princeton and I gave up my car because where we live in town, I don't need a car and I got a bike. I'm biking all over town and um, I'm recognizing people that even somebody, maybe I like as much exposure as some of you Princetonians, but I was like, okay, even I knew who John Nash was. I knew who Paul Muldoon was, Joyce Carol Oates, Toni Morrison was living here at the time. I was like, oh my gosh. I kept bragging to my girlfriends who chose to live in Bucks County. And they were like, okay, you're a one note orchestra. We're sick of hearing about your town. And that's when I started Princeton Tour Company. So I'd never given tours. I'm not a historian. I didn't grow up here. Um, I don't even have a degree in history. So I had to really hustle to learn everything. And so the way I, I do these tours is I'll take a personality and learn everything about them. And I try and connect something interesting about maybe a detail that I need to remember, but it doesn't seem important. And look, the math department already knew Einstein was born on Pi Day. They were already celebrating it. But I never knew that. And I remember I ran down to the Landau's um, because they were big champions of mine for a very long time. And I was like, oh, my God, Einstein was born on Pi Day. Do you guys want to celebrate this? And they, they were always up for anything. And then I ran to the library. Same thing. Do you guys want to do this? And I think it was like, I think it was January of the year we started it. I mean, we didn't have a lot of time. And we just threw together the obvious ideas. Pie throwing, pie judging, pie sampling. Well, Einstein lookalike contest. And I was so new to the content that I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to give the winner $314.15 because that's pie. And then we're going to do a pie recitation. Little did I know that John Conway, the one of the smartest mathematicians to ever live, his wife was my bookkeeper, Diana Conway. And she was like, oh, yeah, I can get John to show up and like judge some of the. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, but it, I'm so used to falling on grenades in Princeton that are brilliant that you just, you just have to fall on it. And the whole thing blows up and it becomes this amazing thing. So it was a combination of a ton of people um, who really kind of made it sparkly. We just kind of, I just kind of got it going. And now it's, it's got its own life. And, it's exciting because for a long time on the tours, you know, I would, I would say, oh, it's the numeric equivalent of pie, and we celebrate. And early on, people were like, oh, wow, that's so cute. And now when we say it on the tours, everybody knows that we yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, so I'm proud of the town. It, this town, it, they, they know how to collaborate. It's probably the least competitive town I've ever lived in in terms of the way people try to find a way to work together. Yeah. Which is an important. So what? So let's just talk a little bit more about Pi Day. So what actually happens? What are the events around it? Because it's more than just a day. So it seems like it's a weekend of. So pre-COVID, it got a little kooky. To be yeah. honest, it almost got too big, um, because we were having a surprise Einstein birthday parties, and then you know we we it got a little kooky. So post-COVID, we've kind of pulled it in, so we know we can really kind of control it. So there's dinky rides with Einstein because that was his commuter train, and it's the smallest train ride on earth. A guy named Bill Agris is an official Albert Einstein reenactor. Um, he actually makes money doing that now. He's been in Amex commercials, and I mean, he's really good at it, and corporations hire him. So when they come and do team building in town, you know, they can, he's at their cocktail party. It's cool. Uh, so we have dinky rides with Einstein. Uh, the uh, McCaffrey Shopping Center, usually, you know, we'll see how COVID and all this works out, but they usually have a pie eating contest, which we've had families who've done it for like 10 years in a row. 
so gross i can't even watch it um but it is it's pretty fun if you like that stuff we have pie throwing contests so it's just whipped cream and you can you can get somebody in the face and probably the the ones that are most well attended the library really come they bring in these insane authors who have written huge books about einstein or his theories they kind of bring that sparkle effect um we run the einstein lookalike contest um and that's when uh kids 10 and young Younger, um, can win for $314.15. And then we have the only prized pie recitation contest in the world for youth, and they also win $314.15. And just this year, the Chamber has changed their Nobel Prize uh, lecture series to be on the actual day of Pi Day, which is 3.14. So I give Hal English a lot of credit for that because it's just really nice. It makes sense too, but um, for a long time, that was kind of a tough thing to get done. So uh, we feel like we've got just the right amount of super smarty pants things going on and then just easy to access celebratory things too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, what you have done with that is pretty amazing. And uh, obviously it's a big hit around town. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so now let's talk a little bit about Princeton Tour Company. I mean, you alluded to that just a little bit a while ago, but that's another venture that you've created. Yep, yep. Princeton Tour Company. You know, it's a huge piece of my identity now. You know, in my 30s when I, or in 20s when I was working so hard, I was in Atlanta, and and I think I am just a workaholic in general, you know, and I've got to channel that energy. Um, so Princeton Tour Company is more than just a little my little business. It's my little passion project. Um, we started as a bike tour company for a lot of different reasons, mainly because I didn't want anything to compete with the Historical Society walking tours. And so I tried to pull off the bike tours for a couple of years, but all the money went to maintaining the bikes. <laughs> And when people come to visit, there's always that one person in a family who's like, I'm not getting on a bike. So I couldn't sell enough. And then it was Mars uh, Candy Company. And they called me up and they said, we need a bike tour, a walking tour, and we need a canoe event for 150 people. And we're going to overpay you to pull it off. And if you make it within the two-hour timeline, we'll pay you all this money. And if you're late... They had a big stick clause where you, you really wouldn't get paid. And so I was like, okay, because I hadn't made any money. And so I called my mom and I said, look, you're a therapist. You're going to come up here from Nashville. You're going to give a walking tour about Albert Einstein. You don't have to know about the theory. Just talk about him as a man, like what it was like as he grew up. Like from a therapist's perspective, you're going to break down Albert Einstein. She was like, sure, I'll do it. And then I was going to do the bike tour. And then I had my husband go down with the canoes down on the DNR Canal. I hired Bill Agris to be as far down the canal as he could be, dressed as George Washington, to command those people to go back. so Because they were the ones that could only make me late, is the self-guided canoers, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so he commanded <laughs> them back. We made it and, uh, it, and we ended on time. And literally overnight, uh, it paid for all, uh, all the bikes, the website. It just paid for everything, that one event. And what I learned is that, you know, you got to, the walking tours, it, it, I had to do something that had fewer costs and more people could be excited about. Right. So I started Princeton Tour Company, and that's when we started We started calling it the, uh, the five-star shameless name-dropping tour. So uh, it's, it's very much uh, heavy on the icing, light on the cake <laughs> in terms of the tour. Um, 
But we've been doing it so long now that when we get a real smarty pants, we actually look forward to it because you have to know it all to give a tour, but you have to not have to give it all. And that's where a tour guide can kind of mess up because they want to share so much. But a lot of people just are like, look, just hit the hot points, you know, just yeah. give me the headlines, kind of, the, you know, the Daily Mail piece. And um, But we love it when we get a smarty pants because they'll ask something and we call ourselves duck tour guides because we'll we'll stay on the surface and run the narrative the chronological story of Princeton and then somebody will ask a, a detailed detail and we'll go way down in the weeds like a duck and and mine that out get them satisfied and then we come right back up to the surface so it is a lot it's a great job um, not only because there's so much rich history in Princeton to cover but we like covering the stuff that's happening today in Princeton. Princeton has been revolutionary since the beginning, and she is today. I mean, you know that from the job you hold. So it's a really fun, it's an it's a honor to be an ambassador to it, and we're still shocked people let us gush as much as we can about it. <laughs> we love it. So what are, the, what, what are the more popular tours? Okay, so Saturdays at 1, we do the public uh, five-star shameless name-dropping tour. Those sell out, um, and they're just lots of fun. Um, people are disappointed we only do the ghost tours in October, and, but those sell out by September. Hmm. And uh, so I get, I get criticized a lot by, by better business people who say, oh, you've got a supply problem, you've got to solve that supply problem. But I'm very protective of the reputation of the tours, so... Um, I have two other tour guides, uh, Jennifer Moss and Jackie Alexander. If you're listening to this podcast, you're amazing tour guides, and I think you know it. Anyway, um, so they love giving tours as much as me. And for the ghost tours, um, we just really like to make them different. People really want them, and they want me to do more of them. But I have to have tour guides like Jackie and Jennifer that, look, we give a tour guide. None of us dreamed of being ghost tour guides in our life. <laughs> so we've created a ghost tour that's very different than what you're going to see in other markets, which is great what they do. But ours is a third history, a third ghost hunting, and a third cemetery visit. So if you've ever gone on a ghost tour, there's always one person in the family who's like, I do not want to go on a ghost tour. And then there's other people who are like, I don't want to hear any history. I just want to be really scared, right? And then you have other people who are like, God, kidding me? She's got the same equipment as they have in Weird New Jersey and the TV shows. So we feel like it appeals to all different types of people that want to take a ghost tour. And the only reason I'm willing to do ghost tours in Princeton, because it looks like kind of a sellout product, is that Princeton University studied paranormal activity for 23 years. And the Pear Lab project gets a lot of love on our our tour. We even have the last pear lamp in existence, and we use it on the tour along with the thermometers and the EMF meters and things like that. So it's very popular because I don't think any other town can say it's studied paranormal activity for 23 years. All our ghost stories are absolutely true. Um, we checked them out with uh, police and campus security in terms of people saying there's hauntings. And then we got with the Historical Society and made sure that the facts are there. And I don't know another town that's got a cemetery that's got Aaron Burr Jr., Grover Cleveland, Paul Tulane, the richest kid to ever go to Princeton, and more. Yeah. So we really, we're, we're, fat, we're so um, protective of the, the reputation. So want to make sure. So to be honest, that one sells out fastest. 
Um, but we won't, we aren't going to be giving them more often. They're only going to happen that way. The only time that we're going to have more ghost tours is when the the 250th anniversary, and we have really created an incredible paranormal experience for that big anniversary coming to the country and we'll be given those uh every saturday when that happens because we need people to come to princeton and understand what we did for the revolutionary war yeah we have the battlefield which is one of the most critical battles in the revolutionary war and i think people that live here for the most part take it for for granted and it's like oh there's a nice place to go hang out or throw a ball around or a frisbee or something it's like wait a minute do you realize what happened here <laughs> oh, so i yeah. love so anything you do to promote that is tremendous. Yay. So let me ask you something else, a little different. Um, I think you're helping out with the the new special improvement district in town, aren't you on one of the subcommittees for yeah. what we what this the special improvement district now calls itself Experience Princeton, but maybe you could tell what you're helping with there. Yeah, I was really surprised they asked me to be on the streetscape <laughs> committee because people who know me, I can I can give off a very oh she's so friendly, she's so nice, but I can get very feisty, and uh, uh, so I think they brought me in the tent because they think I won't shoot from within the tent. <laughs> streetscape, I was shocked, um, but they are really getting work done. Yeah, um, I I. You know, I had mixed feelings about a SID for various reasons, but you can't argue when, when, when the ball is moving down the field toward a goal, you got to give it credit. Mm-hmm. And I will say that Streetscape Committee, it's, it's a really great group, very diverse uh, skill sets that come to it, but I'm really proud of it. Now, I know everything is a little kooky right now. We got a lot of construction going on in town. Um, but I find this streetscape committee to be a scrappy group, very realistic, pragmatic. Um, we have a timeline that's both long-term and short-term. And for what we can tackle in a quality way and budget-conscious way, I think people are going to be very, very impressed with the result. So I don't know what's going on with the executive committee, you know, all the other committees, but I know on Streetscape, um, I'm flattered to be invited to it, and I just want to carry any water they think I can help with. I'm, I'm... I'm very flattered. And and they kind of get me. I'm more of a, a point-and-shoot girl. Um, I can sometimes be a ready-fire-aim. So you don't want me in charge of it. Um, <laughs> because I'm okay with making mistakes. Like, I'm like, what? We made a mistake. Let's outrun it. So I've got no problem. So you don't want me in charge of something like that. But I think I'm pretty good to have on your team if you're like, okay, we figured out the priority. Now we just need some boots on the ground mm-hmm. uh, to either get it done or get feedback. Yeah. So I feel like they figured me out. So I like being part of that team. Yeah. So could you just elaborate a little bit? Like, what are some of the things that that committee's looking at? So when oh, you wow. say streetscapes, what are you? Oh, they're doing a lot. Okay, we know we got a trash problem, <laughs> and we figured it out. Yep. COVID really right when the takeout started and the outdoor time, it really became obvious. And so part of the one one of the things they're doing is they're going to every single business and they're figuring out, okay, who's your waste management vendor? When do they pick up? And are you having any issues? And they're putting this whole thing together. And mind, I hope this is not talking out of school, but they're going to do a whole RFP to see if we can consolidate the number of waste management vendors so that they can lower the price for the retailers in town, hopefully, mm-hmm. possibly even change the hours when these big trucks have to come to our small colonial town, maybe pick up this trash before everybody wants coffee 
at eight o'clock in the morning and really treat this town what it is, which is Disney of central Jersey. So many visitors. And we have to just own that we, we're the main street of it. And so I think that is such a tactical, smart, um, really beneficial thing for the business community. So that's one thing that's, that's going to take a little bit of time, right? The other thing is, is we know Nassau Street, the, the, uh, the redo of Nassau Street, I'm told isn't going to really happen till 2025. And uh, so that's a long time. So we've got some ideas of like, none of them are brain surgery. It's like, okay, we need some planters with self-watering plants and we need them on the sidewalk. And it can't just be the T-bone of Princeton, which is, you know, from Palmer Square to Van Devender. It's got to go all the way down to Moore Road. You know, we got to expand the customer and visitor experience here if we're not going to just overload the downtown. So that whole not, that whole mindset of expanding uh, the way people interact with Princeton, finding those small areas to explore, I feel like they've got some some smart things that they're doing with that. Other things that they're doing are just little things, y'all. Like post-COVID, everybody bought whatever they could get off Amazon to get an awning, right? Okay, we got to, come on, that stuff needs to look a little bit more together. You know, we got to look a little classier. Um, They giggle at me. I don't think they'll back up this statement, but I keep telling them we've got to have a vision city. Who's our vision city? Who do we aspire to be? And I think we're a combination of Charleston meets Paris. So I hope anybody listening to this will hold Streetscape Committee to a vision of Charleston meets Paris. That's my new bumper sticker. They are going to beat me up for this. This is when I get fired from Street Grace. Yeah, but it was a great run, guys. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I also wanted to mention, so you wrote a book. Oh, don't say that. It's not, I'm not, yeah. Well, no, you're, you are, you're an actual author. (laughs) No, it's not true. It's a cute book, though. It is. So tell us where the idea came from. I mean, not everybody listening knows about the book, so let's okay. get a little bit into so it's it. It's a cute little book. It's called Goodnight Princeton. If you're listening, it, the reason why you'll like it is the illustrations. Uh, the illustrator was a barista at Small World, and I'm her biggest fan. She's now a huge deal at Pixar, and uh, I'm very proud of her. So, Courtney, congratulations. So, at any rate, what happened was is one of my girlfriends from Bucks County had a daughter move to Austin. And my husband teases me, it's very rare that I leave Princeton, that it's like an international flight for me to even go to Route 1. But at any rate, um, she convinced me to go to Austin, help her daughter move into her apartment. So I go to Austin. And when I go, you can imagine, any when I do leave town, I take a ton of tours. So I took a ton of tours. I go to their visitor center, and I chatted up the lady in there. And I was like, so what's the biggest selling item in this place? And she was like, oh, gosh, this book, Good Night Austin. And I looked at it, and it was cute. It was great. You know, and I was like, hmm. So then um, uh, it was a huge snowstorm here, and I had to stay a couple days longer in Austin. I couldn't get back. So I kept going back, kept thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I think I bet I could do it if I just didn't didn't worry about if it didn't sound smart enough. And so I just kept mulling it over. So I get a flight back to Princeton, but I had to go through Chicago. I had to do all these things. And I'm that girl that when you're in coach with me, like, I'm like, oh my God, these movies are free. I'm not sleeping. I don't care if it's dinner. I'm like, I'm staying up the whole time. Well, my movie thing, every flight was broken. So Mimi Omosinski, who loves to chat, right? I knew that I would drive anybody crazy next to me. So I literally just got my (laughs) phone and I just started writing Goodnight Princeton. 
And um, the book, I literally wrote it in that, that whole thing. Now I came back and I had smarter people edit it because I'm not that, I'm not great at that kind of thing. But, the, but not much changed. And it's very rhymy and it's very perfect for a very young kid that grows, that, that's growing up in Princeton. And it highlights all the places that honestly, my son and I, I raised my son, he was five when we moved here. It's all the places that we think are, were big memories for him. And so uh, I, I wrote it in that one thing. It's definitely a, it's a, it's, it's another one of those passion projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I w- the key to it is Courtney, because if you really, if you really look at the book, there's all these little things in there. Um, like the, one of the front pages, it's got where Steve and I live at the corner of Nassau and uh, uh, Witherspoon Street, but it's got a little black dog with a heart out of the window and that's my mom's dog Kirby and then um, some of my friends who own local businesses in town if you really look in the details you'll see small world logo here and jam and crepes there and lily pies another place and uh, we tried to put the black squirrel who's all throughout the book um, you'll see he's scampering usually on every page and I think Courtney did such a great job with his personality um, uh, so I like the way he's doing different things in the book uh, we made sure too that um, some of Courtney's best friends are actually some of the characters in the books with their kids mm. so for people who are close in my little world my circle of buds um, it's actually their images that are in the book it's sweet it's just fun that's a great story yeah it really like is it. thank you yeah all right so a little different okay. uh, wild rumor you're an honorary member of one of Princeton University's classes I know. How the hell did that happen? I don't, right? <laughs> right? Right? No, seriously. Seriously, Mark. If somebody would have said 17 years ago, you're going to do this potty thing, you're going to write a children's book, and you're going to be an honorary member of the great class in 1968, I would have said it was never going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, look, what happened was, is that um, on the tours, we've got, it's a, it's a lot of history, but it's a lot of storytelling, too. And the great class of 68 had a great prank that they had on campus, which was they wanted to get a kid admitted into Princeton that was never born. So three kids <laughs> snuck into the admissions department and they gave this, they filled out an application, gave him a birthday, April 1st. Name was Joseph Osnot, nickname was Znot, as in is not. Yeah. They had all kinds of things that were in there that would let you know it was a prank, but they never thought that he would get admitted. Well, he, this guy gets admitted into <laughs> Princeton, the kid that was never born. So um, when they're given out dorm rooms, they figured out that this class had pulled a little trick on him. And the boys really thought that they were going to get expelled, but the dean of admissions came back when the New York Times uh, interviewed him. And the New York Times was like, you've got to expel these boys. That's a legal document. They even took the SAT for this kid. Like, you got to look into it. It's really pretty funny. Um, but uh, the dean of admissions came back and said, actually, Osnott sounds like a hell of a guy, and we would have loved to have had him. So they let it go. And, and every year on April 1st, if you go to certain places on campus, that class keeps the keeps the whole uh, thing of Osnot alive. And they leave like business cards. They say he has investment companies all over the world. Uh, Joseph Osnot even has a Facebook page. <laughs> At one time, he claimed he was part of the SEAL team that got Osama. <laughs> so it's, it's just a silly thing. So in the movie is that um, somebody from that class heard that that was on my tours. All the tour guides do their own thing. Um, uh, but I was obsessed with this, just this, such a funny prank. And yeah. uh, so they found out I was doing it. 
And this gentleman's name is John Gore from the great class of 68. And um, he was like, I want you to help me do the 50th reunion for the great class. And I know what an honor that is because I know how these tigers feel about reunions. So we did some fairly remarkable things for their reunion that we are very proud of. And um, uh, so it, it went really well. And of course, I got to go know the other guys in the class. It's remarkable because that's the last class uh, that was all male. And so I'm one of two ladies in the class now. And the other lady uh, who's in the class of 68 is Shirley Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I'm sure she's thrilled to know that the tour lady is also one of our <laughs> classmates. <laughs> it's funny because when I see her at the tent, look, I, I hope I know when to stop and start in terms of being silly, but I like to go up to her and say, oh, Shirley, don't be nervous. It's just me, the tour lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a great sense of humor. She's like, ah, gah, gah, gah. <laughs> but it's fascinating. But I get to go um, to the reunions now. Uh, and I still help them with some of their costumes and things like that. I've become very close to some of the guys. And um, I walk in P-Rade. And I get it. Now, I, if anybody listening to this, if you ever get a chance to walk in P-Rade, you got to do it. Because you'll finally understand why 30,000 come back every year. You're walking down the this little narrow path. There's tigers on either side. You have a huge button on your blazer that says your first name. And they all yell, they're all yelling your name. And they're, they say lovely things. And so you, you finally know what it must be like to be like Harry Styles. Like, like it's, you're a rock star and it's, it's otherworldly. It's, if you get a chance to go, do it. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. One more question. All right. So what's next on the horizon for you? Oh, uh, more of the same. <laughs> more of the same I, uh, you know um, you know it's, uh, truthfully people have said to me oh you gotta you gotta make Princeton Tour Company bigger no not interested um, I have a lot of people say you gotta franchise it you gotta do this, this, this nope not interested it's just Princeton so I love keeping Princeton uh, nimble and small and highly personal I'm very proud of of the tours and the tour guides and the impact um, like I say, I'm, I'm flattered about this Sid thing. You know, I'm, I'm not the best volunteer, um, cause I've been doing things my way for so long and I have a hard time, um, when it doesn't go my way. So I'm still growing up in that respect. So I don't see me doing a lot more of that kind of thing, unless it's a group that knows how to manage a point and shoot girl. Right. Yeah. Um, Pi Day, same thing. I want to keep it really lovely and personal to Princeton. A lot of people have said, oh, you got to get this sponsor and this and this and that. It's just not what my passion is. Uh, so I guess the other, the only thing on the horizon is I'm looking forward to retirement in Princeton. I've started doing a lot more things with the Senior Resource Center now that I'm eligible. Um, I've got a pretty good pickleball game going at the, uh, the, the Patterson building, and my husband is taking uh, country line dancing classes with me. Uh, so we're going to be very impressive on Heinz Plaza pretty soon. Uh, so pretty much it's, I'm just going to be another Princetonian aging in Princeton. There you go. 
Mimi, thank you so much for being with us today. Mark, I'm shocked you asked me to do this. <laughs> uh, everyone listening knows that I've told everybody in Princeton that I was too busy this morning to do anything because I was going to be on the mayor's podcast. This is another one of those things where I get to check the box and say, never in my life would I think it would have happened. And I really appreciate it. Plus, people listening, if you get on the podcast, you get a mug and it's free. And it says Princeton podcast and it has Mark's picture on it. <laughs> So I will be drinking from that every day for coffee and every evening for a libation. I really had fun doing this. Thanks again. Thank you you for joining us for the 38th episode of the Princeton Podcast, produced by the podcast production team at HG Media, providing audio and video production services here in Princeton since 1999. If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends. Visit our website at princetonpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts.